Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the Fly With Us podcast. This podcast is bringing the art of conversation, self-love, self-care, mental health care and protection, life lessons, love lessons, and everything in between. Today, we're going to talk about minding your money. I'm Lady Bounce. I'm Kryptonite, y'all. All right, so... Snoop Dogg said, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. And you got a mindfulness minute to keep us focused for this episode. Don't I, though? So let's talk about this mindfulness minute. Let's get on it. All right. Now, my bad, y'all. I'm going to apologize to y'all right now because I didn't read it ahead of time. I just remembered I was supposed to do that. Okay, so here we go. (laughs) Let's do it this way. No, that didn't help. All right. Never mind. All right, so... Um, financial fitness is as important as physical health because it affects our well-being every day of our lives and especially our future. Like driving a car, it is a skill anyone can learn and it's never too late to start. Having a budget means thinking about money in a logical, analytical way. Once you know exactly how much is coming in and going out, you are ready to take control and live within your means instead of drifting along and helping for a windfall. It also means you are able to take up exciting opportunities as they come along and are equipped for that financial rainy day. Once you know where you are going and how you'll get there, you can direct your money to where it matters most. Stay on top of bills and start putting money aside for future goals, like buying a house or going on holiday. Not well, to begin budgeting, identify all income and, and expenses on a monthly or annual basis. List your needs and the amount of money required to fulfill them. Be realistic and separate needs from wants. Design your budget to include some small pleasures so you won't feel miserable. Put your plan into action and stick to it. Review and adapt your budget from time to time with future needs in mind. All righty. I like so, With that in mind, let's get into today's topics. Today's topic is money, in case you haven't figured it out. And how can us black folk get some? <laughs> okay? Or at least keep it for a little while. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, um, all right. So we have, like, there's new money-making strategies, strategies out in the world right about now. I wanted to get into cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And if anyone doesn't know what that is, it is digital money. And if anyone wants to know how that works, Google it. Because I can't tell you. Because I don't know. I've Googled it. I've watched videos on it. I have tried to understand it. I do not understand it. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm slow or what. But I'm just, look, that piece of hair is getting on my nerve. My bad. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> but I do not I do not understand crypto I do not understand big Bitcoin and cryptocurrency at all. I mean to the you know and it's becoming this big thing, right? Because you know, once white people decide that it's something that they want to do and invest in and they want it to be big, well they that's what they do. They make it big. So I figured I was gonna be one of them smart Negroes and I was gonna get on there, I was gonna jump on that bandwagon real fast, real quick. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get my foot in there and spend my first $100 and get me some Bitcoin. 
I don't know what the hell that was. I don't know how to buy it. I don't know how to use it. I don't know how it expands, how it invests, how it grows. I don't know nothing about it. Therefore, I kept my money in my pocket. So I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know what to do with Bitcoin. I don't, I've seen where people say it works. I've seen where people say it don't work. I know it's not anything that tangible that I can hold in my hand. It's, it's exactly what it is. It's money that's floating around in cyberspace. And I don't know how to have money floating around that I can't touch or spend. You know what I'm saying? It don't make sense to me. I don't like credit cards because I can't touch and feel my money. So <laughs> I ain't fucking with digital coin right about now. I don't understand it. So I'm going to leave that be. So yeah, well, look that up. Okay. So I was looking on, you know, on, on Facebook and stuff, they got different different spots where you might be able to find some money um, some money investment ideas, some money marketing tools, you know, or at least if nothing else, you get to get some news on the latest happenings in other black folks' financial careers, you know what I'm saying? Um, I have found that Dr. Boyce Watkins, uh, if you don't know who he is, is an economist. Um, he's a financial expert. He worked at uh, Syracuse University for a time before he left there. And I believe he said 2013. And he ventured off into doing his own thing. And right now, you can catch his Black Business School online, of which I have purchased a class or two. Might just be one. But my point is, he's a very intelligent man when it comes to money matters He's on top of it. You can catch him on so many different interviews of the Breakfast Club. So um, if you haven't heard of him, if you want to know uh, anything about him or if you want to know about anything he suggests, just YouTube him. He's got his and, and he's got his own YouTube channel um, where he talks, you know, talks about things. He's been on the Breakfast Club numerous times. He's written books. Um you can pretty much find him anywhere. He's he all in my email because, of course, I purchased his class. So, you know, there that is. And he just talks money, money matters, and he talks about investing. Um, one of the things that I had discussed or that I had had uh, an idea about, and I had suggested it on our family page on Facebook, is that we do something, is that we do uh, like a cash app where everybody invests money. Because our family is so large, I figured if everybody invested $1 out of every paycheck, which is $2 a month, then we could grow We could grow a nice substantial amount of money and quite possibly invest it. What I didn't know at the time that what I was suggesting was to do something called a, a so-so account. What is that? Let me tell you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a so-so account is basically it's a it's a group savings account, and you can do it amongst community or amongst family. And what I was thinking, there was a there was a story that was done on a family a, a, a long time ago, and I just never forgot it because I thought it was such a dope idea. Where this family um, basically was its own bank; it was a bank of itself, and they would help other family members by giving them um, loans for a car, loans for houses, helping them with businesses and stuff. Now, of course, there's a whole lot that goes into this. Somebody has to be financially literate, but 
that's what they were. They were financially literate. They had uh, certain members of the family, like heads of their family, you know what I mean? And they all um, got together monthly and discussed business and finances and stocks and bonds. And they basically only helped their family. Wow. Yeah, but they were able to help their family members to acquire things like cars and houses. You know what I'm saying? But it was just, it was a, it was a group economic venture, but just within the family. And I thought that was so dope. I saw that so many years ago. It's ridiculous how long ago I saw it. And I just remember it. You know what I mean? Because I really did think it was a dope process. So I was thinking that maybe with our family being as big as, big as it is, I would throw it out there. I haven't checked Facebook to see if anybody responded. Might want to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. But. I'm just saying that that's what it is. And basically, my, the idea was if you don't invest into it, if you don't put into the pot, then you can't reap any other benefits. And that's basically what the so-so, what a so-so, um, um, a so-so account is. Um, basically, he was he was saying like, okay, say we're just gonna use the number ten. So if we have ten people, and it don't matter who it is, family members, community members, uh, uh just friends, whatever. Right. 10 people invest, say, $100 a week for, say, 10 weeks. And the money is gifted to an individual each week. So, okay, after the first week, everybody put in $100. We got $1,000 at the end of the week. Somebody gets that $1,000, right? Then the next week, we all do the same thing. And then it just trickles down. And each person at some point is going to get the thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? So that's a way of looking of looking at what so-so actually is as far as um, a savings situation and where you can accumulate um, a, a mass amount of money in a short period of short period of time. And you can grow this though. It doesn't just have to be just a situation of money that's being gifted. After, let me get you a little bit of history. This so-so account is used in, in Africa and the Caribbeans. And it's, it's, it rotates. It's, it's gifted money that is rotated throughout this circle of individuals who have invested in this account. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So whoever invests gets, gets money. Okay, so... The other, the flip side to that is, okay. So with the social account, there's really no, there's really no um, foundation to branch off and actually grow money, right? It's really just a process of accumulating money and giving it to people that need it when they need it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, so let me ask you a question. As I'm thinking about this, and and the social account sounds amazing. But do you think that is something that's actually doable given our current state of the breakdown of families amongst black people and the breakdown of not necessarily, well, the breakdown of family, but I don't make that much money. I don't have a hundred dollars a week to put in, you know? So how do you, how do you answer that when it comes to, you know, to having a social account, which sounds great, but my family is broken. We don't get along. I don't trust Uncle Bob to put his money in. I don't have any money to put in. So how do we answer that for people 
you know, well, when it comes in this account. The fact of the matter is, first, it doesn't take $100. It really doesn't matter how much you put in there. That's up to the individual. That was just the example that I was using. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, you have to get people that, that's trusted. You have to get trusted members of your family that's going to be accountable, that's going to be responsible, that's going to participate. And part of that, part of the benefits of, of this is it does bring community and family closer together. It does give someone a sense of accountability because not only am I helping somebody, I'm also going to receive that help in return at some point. You're going to see, you're going to see that money back, whatever you put into it, it's going to come back to you. It's just a question of when it gets to you. Eventually, it's going to be your turn. You know what I'm saying? Right, so eventually right. you're going to see what you've paid into it. It just might not be with that first week. You might be in the sixth week or the eighth week. You know what I'm saying? Right, but the, right. the fact of the matter is it's going to come back around to you. Um, as far as, fam, you know, yeah, the, fam, the dynamics of family is a tricky thing. So, it, I mean, it's really just depending upon the circle of people that you decide to go into this endeavor with. You know what I mean? And that part is going to be up to the individuals involved. Um, but it is, I mean, but it is a way of, it is a way of, um, of um, building your family, of helping your community, of helping family members, of helping one another in a time like this where we all really need some help. You know what I mean? Um but if everybody is invested in giving, say, the same, same amount of money, and then, it, you know, it also depends on how many people get involved. The more people involved, the less money needs to be put into it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But also the flip side of doing a SUSU account is you can turn it into a, an investment opportunity and you can turn it into a group investment, you know, um, where you can take that money and instead of, say, I mean, okay, so say at the end of 10 weeks, say say if everybody did put in a thousand, a $100, and at the end of the 10 weeks, you got $1,000, you all can 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 um, collectively decide to take that money and invest it in a stock option, something that's going to make more money for everybody that's involved. You know, it's a, it's a group dynamic, but you invest as, a, as, a, as one entity. Right. So... You know, and then with it being $1,000 and then with it being more people involved, everyone can have a say in where something goes. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody can have, and you can even have a say as, you know, I'm just guessing on this part, but I'm going to say it because I just feel like it's logical and it makes sense. That if you were to say invest in the group $1,000, you know what I'm saying? Well, $100. Say you were, and say they, say your group wants to invest a thousand dollars into uh, uh, a share A, but you're not really feeling share A. You feel that your best opportunity is with share C. That can be broken down. Whereas we can say, okay, as a group, we'll make not one investment, two, we'll we'll invest four hundred dollars in share A, and then we can invest two three hundred dollars in share C. You know what I'm saying? Or however that's gonna work. You right. feel. But I'm saying with the dynamics of the group, with the individuals involved, you could take the thousand dollars and just take a hundred dollars and invest in in a hundred dollars worth of stock in ten different, you know what I'm saying? In ten right. different stock areas on, on on ten different pieces of stock. 
but you do it as one entity, as one group. So you've got 10 different pieces of stock. You're holding 10 different uh, items of stock, but you're holding it as one group, one entity. So wherever, the, so all that money's coming back still to everybody involved. You know right. what I'm saying? So, and then you have to also look at it too, because a lot of a lot of us still like if we don't have uh, the money, then we can't invest. And that's not that's not necessarily true. I I don't, I'm not a financial expert, but that doesn't mean that that somebody else in the family might not be better at finances or might not know somebody. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's going to bring something to the table. You may bring your time and energy. You may bring your knowledge. I'm not a researcher, but maybe cousin Tammy is a researcher. So right. she's going to research some stuff and she's going to get that popping. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, you know, and she's part of the group. I mean, and it, I mean, if we, if we can collect it, it's just, it's, it's the same thing as finding your lane, finding your niche. Right. You know right. what I mean? You contribute what you can and what you can't, you don't worry about because that's somebody right. else's job. I like it. I thought it was good too. So, um, there was, there's a, um, there's something called firstshareofstock.com. It's like a, a free investment strategy. Dr. Boyce, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins was talking about it and he was saying to visit that website and you get like, um, I don't know if it's like free advice or a free, uh, actual free stock option. I'm not, I, I didn't quite get what exactly it was that, that it was offering. But it is called uh, firstshareofstock.com. So if you're interested in stock, if you if it's something that you've been thinking about, which is something I've been thinking about, um, I'm definitely going to check it out. And, you know, anybody that's interested, check it out. It's free. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, can't beat that with a bat. Right. And, you know, Voice uh, Watkins also has a black business school that is catered to children which is real dope yeah and, yep. and i use a lot of those the free resources that he has available in my classroom when we're talking about personal finance and and financial literacy because i got tired of seeing that meme shared on facebook like they don't teach you in school how to pay taxes they don't teach you about insurance and all that and i'm like that is simply <laughs> not true it's it's actually not in the state of ohio personal finance is required for high school graduation so the kids are getting a personal finance class. The difference is in the the teacher that's teaching it, are they enthusiastic about teaching it? Are they really teaching you the real life aspects or are they just teaching you what's in the book? So when did they start doing that? When did that start becoming like a uh, mandatory curriculum? Well, this is my, this would be my third year teaching high school. And so I think for the last five years, because I even... I even had, you know, other like students that had to take the class before I started working in high school and I was still working in middle school that, so I want to say probably about the last five years when they changed the graduation requirements again for the hundredth time, but personal mm -hmm. finance and financial literacy and consumer mathematics are all courses that are taught um, in high school. But again, it's, it's levels to it like anything else of how good a teacher you get if the teacher's just teaching you what's in the book. But see, that's ridiculous that that's something that's just been implemented within the last five years. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's, that, that don't make sense at all. But, because you because it was like an elective when I was in, in school. Like, we, right. we took trips 
we I can remember we took a trip to the bank, like when I was in like the sixth grade. <laughs> Excuse me, we took a trip to the bank and we just dis they discussed it then, but that's not something we covered in high school. They didn't cover it. and then and then the, the school I went to should have been one of the main places that covered it. Right. Considering, okay. Yeah, it was right. a co-op. Yeah, it was a co-op. So we okay. should have been covering stuff like that. That that personal finances should have been mandatory in a school like that. Oh, I I totally agree. I think something happened, you know, around the shift of state testing and graduation requirements, and they realized that these kids are graduating from high school and they could pass the curriculum, but they couldn't write a check. No, it's not just that. It was all, it's also an issue of these kids that once they get to college and these, pred these predatory uh, creditors, when they give these kids these credit cards and then these, these kids, they, they go out, they, they get a credit card, they think everything is cool, and they, they, they stock up all of this mass credit and they, they have no way of paying for it because they don't really know what credit is. They really didn't have no idea of what it was in the beginning, especially when you're dealing with kids that are like, say first time first year um college students where they exactly. they have no concept of what any of, the, of this is because they haven't been taught about it at all right i mean just because you know what a credit card is doesn't know doesn't mean that you know what it's for how it's used and the because every credit card has different rules and some of them you know you spend a hundred dollars and you end up paying back five hundred dollars because you just don't read the fine print so right. Well, you know, and you don't realize what an APR is. You know what right? I'm saying? A lot of people don't know what an APR is. A lot of people don't realize what a high APR is. Right. And nowadays, a high APR is like the norm for a lot of people because of the way the credit situation is in this country anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but I will say um, the, YouTube is a wealth of knowledge. If, you, if there's anything that you want to know, if you really want to know it, go to YouTube. So here's a couple of videos for you to check out on YouTube for information, um, Corporative Economics, Friends and Family, Money Share. Um, it's a SUSU presentation. It basically goes through um, the good and bad of, of, of a SUSU account and its origins. And it, there, it, there's like a, there was like a previous version, version, and then there's an updated version of how things are working in SUSU accounts nowadays. Okay. with the changes of communities and, and, and families and whatnot. Um, using your abilities as, oh no, that's something else. Okay, hold on. Oh, check out, um, well, okay, also for, for money investment, there's Dr. Boyce Watkins, there's check, there's um, Cooperative Economics, Friends and Families. Also check out, um, there's a, there's a, um, a Breakfast Club F, uh, interview with financial journalist Stacey Tinsdale, and she discussed the smart ways to invest money. Um, that's from the Breakfast Club from February 23rd of 2017. Yes, it's old, but it's still relevant. Right. You know, still check it out. Um, I was looking at something that was very interesting with um, Killer Mike, and Killer Mike was suggesting that we invest sneaker money into Black-owned banks. With as much money as we spend on Jordans and everything, he was saying if you if you buy two pairs of sneakers a month, if you take if you take one of those sneakers, the money from one of those sneakers, and you invest it into a black-owned bank, he said we could within like three days we could take a hundred million dollars if we could we could invest a hundred million dollars into a black-owned bank. 
Wow. And we could, if, if everyone did that, we could turn that around. Like, you know what I'm saying? That we could we could turn we could turn around the money that's invested in these banks and we could really use it for ourselves, you know? Um and we oh, excuse me. <laughs> All right. Um, so talking about black owned banks, um, we need to know where they are, right? Because we don't have a lot of them. Right, right. So a little bit of history about 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 black owned banks. The first black owned bank was a true true reforms bank founded March 12th in 1888 by Reverend William Washington Brown. Um, he was a former slave and a Union Army officer. Um, Capital Savings Bank of Washington, D.C. was founded in October 17th of 1888. Between the year of 1888 and 1934, we had 134 Black-owned banks. Wow. During the Great Depression, those, number those numbers dwindled. And by 1930, we had nine Black-owned banks, from 134 to nine. Wow. So the Civil Rights Movement upped our efforts and we saw growth and we got we had 50 black owned banks by the year 1976 right well in 1988 the savings and loan crisis took out 35 of them banks so 2001 was the most recent decline um the recessions of the 2000s had um had our had our banks dwindled down today there are 38 Black-owned banks at, at, at this time. All right. So investing in Black-owned banks, we really need to, it's really for real, it's something, um, it's a tool that we haven't realized we can utilize. You know what I'm saying? To, to have Black-owned bank, banks is going to work in, in our favor because it, will, it allows us to fight systemically against racism and the, the um, issues that we come that we find ourselves dealing with when it comes to those financial institutions that don't necessarily represent us or our interests. Um, these these finance these black owned banks um, they will help with stuff like small business loans because quite frankly most of us if we do own a business it's small. Right. So the places that we go to when we're trying to get loans to try and, you know, uh, get loans for our businesses and open up and get our homes and everything, stuff like that. You know, we, we don't have to go to those gigantic white institutions that want us to jump through hoops and, and walk on coal in order to get something. You know what I mean? Right. Um, a Black-owned bank is more apt to lend to a Black face um, as far as businesses and as far as home loans go. So... We really do ourselves a disservice by not investing in our own financial institutions. And we really need to start considering doing that. Um, now, I'll, I can tell you um, other, let me see if I can find this one. Hold on. Other, um, yeah, that's it. Other, um, pros to us having uh to us investing in black owned banks all right 
So here are some key takeaways, right? Key takeaways. Today, including credit, including credit unions, there are 38 Black-owned black financial institutions in the United States. Taken together, they have approximately $5.135 billion in assets in total. So that's $5.135 billion wow. in assets in total. Black-owned banks provide customers not just access to the financial resources that they need, but the chance to invest in the financial health and well-being of our communities. Black-owned banks also play a critical role in fighting modern-day systemic racism in the financial sector. Critics of Black-owned for-profit banks have hoisted that true financial justice requires institutions such as not-for-profit credit unions that are separate from a financial system rooted in racism and exploitation. Of the 38 Black-owned financial institutions in the country, exactly half are not for-profit credit unions. Wow. I think we'll, we'll take that and we'll make that our self-care assignment for this week to bank Black, find you a Black-owned bank, and do some research on them. Um, I know one of my coworkers oh, recently oh, invested wait. in a Black-owned bank. I'm not done. Hold oh, on. I've got more. So I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna help you with your I'm gonna help you with that, okay? So <laughs> okay. We're we running gotta, out of time though, so you gotta you gotta say I'm, I'm I'm working on it. All right. So look, all right, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm not gonna do that because there's 38 of them. I will tell you that United One Bank is the largest black owned bank. They are in summer everywhere. They are in Colorado, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho. Illinois, Indiana, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, and Louisiana. All right. Then we also have uh, Citizens Trust. Well, I'm just going to go with United One because that's the biggest one. So that's the one I'm going to tell you about. Then I will tell you that if you really want a list of Black-owned banks where you can um, invest or if you want to know where they are, if you want to know if any of them are near you, Google is a wonderful thing. Go to investopia.com, and they have a list of Black-owned banks in the different cities that they're located so that you can get your Black-owned bank on and get to investing and just open you up something so that you can just take part in this uh, financial revolution that we need to be getting started if we haven't figured it out yet. This is a, this is a revolution. Let's go. Let's get the Black-owned banks popping so that we can... We can do this, you know what I'm saying? I mean, for real, for real, take the money out of their hand, put it back in our hand, invest in our sales. That bank don't have to be located in your city or your state for you to invest in it and you to right. the of it. It don't have to be. I personally um, bank at, um, I have an account at United One Bank in Chicago. You, We don't live in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? But that's where that account is. Right. And I understand that there's there's something in Toledo, but I don't know where that is. I haven't, I didn't see anything for Ohio on there. So I didn't, you know, I didn't have really a chance to really look it up. I was writing stuff down. <laughs> but <laughs> luckily we can just go to Google and Google right. it. We the same internet, right? Right. Investopia.com. All right. 
What do I need to do since we run out of town? Where am I at now? How's it doing too much? <laughs> that, well, that's it. I'm going to finish up with our brain science for this week. Our brain science this week comes to us from Rob Wilson, who is a black financial analyst, and they call him the hip-hop financier. So you can Google him, and he's been on Breakfast Club. He's also been on BET. He's been on Boyce Watkins Show. They do a lot of joint themes together. So he says... He suggests that anyone that's interested in getting started with investing, you go through your bank statement and the last 20 transactions that you had, 10 of them are public. He says he guarantees that 10 of them are going to be publicly owned companies. Start looking into those companies to buy simple shares. Some shares you can get for two or $3, some a little bit more. Um, he suggests Walmart, McDonald's. Think of those places where you go the most. Start there. And then he said, once you have the companies that you like, the last step is to open an account at a brokerage firm. And he said, you know, just Google one you really like, do some research on brokerage firms. And he said, most of them are very reputable. And he said, there's an app he wants you to download called Robin Hood. And it doesn't charge any trading commissions. And then there's another site he recommends called Stockpile, which is great because it allows you to buy fractional shares of stock in case what you're starting with isn't enough money to buy a whole share, which is really ah. important. So he's basically saying you can start off small. You know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so that's what he is suggesting. And if you want to know more about banking and financing, you can look up Rob Wilson. Uh, he has his own website. Of course, look up uh, Boyce Watkins. And I will be remiss if I didn't mention Hood Market 101. Google that. It's a wealth of information about susus, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, anything that you want to know. I'm going to reference Hood Market, but I really didn't have enough information. I know you can find great articles. I know you can get information, like, um, but it didn't. It still didn't explain Bitcoin to me. I still didn't get it. That's okay. But, we got yeah. time. We gonna we gonna do some research together, and we gonna get our family you know, some financial stability right. something off. And we've given right. this great advice for other families to, to follow and do the same. So, of, of course, as we do this, we'll be sure to document our journey through future episodes so people can see how it's working for us, that it really does work. You know what? And people, if you listen to this, y'all gonna have to hold us accountable. Y'all gonna have to be like, whatever happened with y'all's business adventure, y'all trying to get y'all... Because we do have to hold each other accountable for yeah. the things that we say and the things that we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? So we can't, you know, it can't just be something that we're we're saying. We got to really follow through with these, with these. And I don't mean just me and you. I just mean all of us as a whole. We yeah. have to really follow through on these ideas so that we can get up out this rut. Because so many times, so many things are happening with life in general that we forget these little things that are also very important to help us grow, you know? Um is it time for the mindfulness? The, is it time for the self-care assignment? Well, we already did it because, you know, we, we, I flipped it. When you, when you started giving that good information about banking black, we just need to go look that up. So our self-care assignment, go get look, ourselves you know together look. and do some research. Yes, we research that. Go, you flippy. <laughs> look at me. So I was about to get in the creative budget and everything. <laughs> You don't say that find you a black owned and that's what's up though. But for real, for real, even before I'm not gonna say before you get into creating a budget because you definitely should create a budget. I never have, which is probably why I'm so broke. <laughs> but, 
but it's a good it is you know it's a good idea to do that and then find yourself a black bank and then talk to somebody there at the at the black bank that can help you to create a budget i like it so as always you can fly with us at fly with us la at gmail.com find us on facebook soundcloud youtube twitter and wherever you get your favorite podcast i'm lady bounce Google pod, Google has some podcast, a podcast station. We on there. Did you know we was on there, girl? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We don't ever talk about that. Google podcast, honey. Google podcast. Yes, we, we have made it. We have arrived. So you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Again, I'm Lady Bounce. I'm Kryptonite, y'all. And we out of here. All right. That was good. Yeah, I'm starting to get better about researching. I see you. I'm trying. Yes, and we'll make sure, like, when when Jay posts the show, that the links to you were talking about, I was writing them down. So we can put those links in with the episode. So as people watch the episode, they can just click the link and go get the information. In case you, in case you didn't get them all, I did write them down. Look at you trying to be fancy. You trying to you ain't me. Trying to be professional. Amir's over here laughing at us. <laughs> she a hot mess. That's all right. She can laugh. I, I am not mad at her. Go ahead. Do you have any uh time during the day this week to do another show? Like what's your schedule look like? Oh, excuse me. Um during the day? Yeah, I got a guy in New York who wants to do an episode of our show to talk about black mental health and um, black men. And I was ah, like, oh. That would be awesome. Yeah, because, you know, July is Minority um, is minority Mental Health Month. So me yeah. and Slate did an interview with a couple of people the other day. So those shows are, are airing, but we need two more shows to round out, you know, Mental Health Month for July. So I got this guy out of New York who was like, oh, I would love to come on your show and talk about mental health of black men. And I'm like, yeah, because we haven't really addressed that, you know, from a male perspective. Listen, we talking about that, but you really, really need to check out that interview I sent you earlier about uh, August. August, uh, yeah, I have it saved in my queue. So I'm like, I want to watch it. But then when he started talking about he was sleeping with Jada, I was kind of like, oh, damn. But I am going to watch why people keep focusing on that why do people keep focusing on that because he said so, he said so much more than that and he really didn't even say he was sleeping with jada what he said was that that was a he had that was a relationship where he experienced real love and he got nothing but respect for the woman and her family i don't know why people keep making such a big deal well, because about- will and jada are supposedly have this open marriage and it's it's been a thing for a long time you know, we already know this so why is anybody surprised that she fucked somebody well like and and i got to you know like really think about it i don't care like that's who you choose to bed is none of my business. That's part two of that conversation. Who gives a fuck? I don't yeah. care. I, I mean, don't care. frankly, I'd love to do August as as 